0: Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up?
1: Um, I've had a wonderful week. It has been 60 or it was 60 in New York yesterday, which just felt like somewhere in the middle of February. Um, But yeah, it's been pretty wonderful. How about you?
0: Um, Yeah, it's been great weather in Philly. I've been going on my runs. When I say going on my runs, they're not like super long runs. I can't really do more than three miles. Um, but, you know, um, love the vibes. Um, and I'm going to New York tomorrow to see two friends from home
1: and their wow. boyfriends. Wow, boyfriends. Uh, <laughs> but I don't even know how to transition that. But today <laughs> we are going to be joined by Cities Aviv and we will be talking to over a bottle of Milkies, a Korean soft drink.
0: Great, let's get into it.
1: So I chose Milky's for today because I was introduced to it by my friend Dylan, who always will drop it off at my door if I've had a bad day, uh, which is very sweet. And I've kind of fallen in love with the drink. Um, if you haven't had it before, it's like very tart. Um, also with a bit of carbonation, you can definitely still taste that milky um, taste as well. So I would give it a 9.2 out of 10.
0: Um, I really like this drink also because, as you all know, I don't like sweet things. Um, so I love like this tart flavor, kind of reminds me of Froyo. Um, my favorite Froyo flavor is also tart. <laughs> don't really get it other flavors <laughs> so yeah I would give this drink a 9.3 out of 10.
1: Wow that this might be the only time we've ever agreed on a like a high rating for a drink so very exciting day in the life of our podcast um but today's interview is someone who we've been following for a long time and in the last um two or three years has started releasing these like incredibly ambitious like beautiful projects and they just released an album earlier this month called man plays the horn um cities aviv create created just like a masterpiece with this album so many different instrumental textures um and it just gives us like so much to work through and talk about it's also a very long project over an hour so it's one of those albums that can really grow with you and sit with you and we can't wait to talk to him about his creative process and just his journey through music
0: should we call him up right now
1: yeah let's call him up what's going on can you hear me yeah yeah we can hear you word word thank you so much for taking the time to come on we're so excited to talk to you yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for hitting me up. Uh, we've been super into all of your music lately. Um, and especially your new album, uh, Man Plays the Horn is just really beautiful. And it seems like people are really responding to it, especially fans, like very immediately. How does it feel to see this album getting so much love so quickly after it came out?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um you know, I was talking to some friends about it. Me and Luca talk music shit, like, every single day. We were on the phone earlier for a few hours. Well, probably like an hour. But uh, I'm always just kind of like, you know, I'm going to make it. and I'm going to throw it out there. and If people rock with it, like, I'm with that, you know? So I'm never really expecting anything. I'm not just like, oh, yeah, this is about to smash. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, like. You know, I'm gonna make these songs regardless. I like them, I wake up in the morning, make coffee. I play that shit really loud. I'm like, damn, this shit is tough. Uh, It makes me feel good. So I was like, I just want to get it out there to the people and they can listen to it in whatever way makes sense, play it loud, you know. But um, no, it feels good. It's cool that people are digging it and have ideas and opinions about it and shit like that. They're talking about it for sure.
0: Um, can you explain like what you mean by like, or why you want to emphasize like playing the album loud?
2: Well, to me, it's just like when I think of this music. So it's it's funny. So I used to have this like iPod when I was really young. Um, it was probably like the first iPod I got before they you know using like Toshiba Giga Beats and shit like that, and like I uh, even used to use those uh those mini disc players you know, you put songs on them. But even when I would use those, I had this thing where I would like, take all the songs. And then I would just like turn the volume adjustment on them all the way to 100. And then listen to it. So no matter what I was listening to, even if it was like, doom, or something like that, or like, some dealer shit, or like, you know, even like, I don't know, fucking like, public image limited or something, who knows, but I would take it and just adjust the volume like all the way up so i was like this is how i want to hear it i just want to hear it crank so when i tell people that i'm more just kind of like step into my territory with it because that's how i'm listening to it as soon as i get in the whip i'm turning the volume up i want that shit to blast i want it to bang i want the the windows down i want it leaking out so that's just kind of how i listen to it but it's funny because luca was like i was talking to him and he was I'll probably reference him a million times in this conversation, but he uh, he was like, yeah, bro, you know, you be saying play it loud, but man, I was working. I had this shit turned down. It sounded real good. <laughs> I, was like, uh-huh. I was like, word. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's more just, and let me know if, if the audio is kind of sounding funny. I'm on this kind of busy street right now.
1: You're all good. But, um, yeah, totally here.
2: Word. yeah so like it's more of a thing of like step into my territory with it because that's how i'm listening to it and you know it's hip-hop music but you know it's kind of fitted as well to like if you want to imagine like rock music or whatever i uh, recently i was listening to um what is that public enemy Fear of a black planet which i haven't listened to that album and probably like 10 plus years and I was bumping Welcome to the Terror Dome and I had I had it cranked up I was like this shit sounds crazy there was like a family walking out of a restaurant just staring I had the windows down they were just like what the fuck is going on over here I just had this shit blasting you know what I mean so I'm just like you know I want people to kind of step into my territory with it
1: yeah definitely and I feel like um we definitely get to step into your territory on this album especially in terms of production i know production has always been a big part of your process but i think on man plays the horn it's like very explicitly about the instrumental is like about the horn about all of that and it just seemed like the instrumental like and sometimes like came first on this album uh could you talk about how you kind of crafted the instrumental palette for this project
2: well so i kind of have this saying like years back where i was like to me, the beats, that's like my... It's like if any... It's trying to think of a good way to explain it. It's like the beats are like my, like, guitar. It's like I'm riffing on the shit. So, like, all the beats I record, it's not like I sequence them out. Now, every now and then, I might sequence something, you know, just like add a little spoken word. But even sometimes that is, like, just on the spot. So a lot of times with those beats, I just hear record, and I'm just recording myself live chopping up some shit, manipulating some shit, tweaking it. And, um, you know, I just want to, you know, as the years went by, I wanted to like push that even more and more and more and more towards the forefront. You know, I keep referencing like rock music, but obviously you got bands like MBV, which is like the vocals are very much so there and a part of it and an important part of it, but what they're playing is also really important too. And one thing with rap music, hip hop music, it kind of annoyed me how it just felt like you know it was like the, the vocals just you know the beat is just like whatever what is he saying though and to me it's like they're both just as important now obviously different people attack that in different ways but especially in like a live setting i remember going to see ghostface who i love ghostface he played in like mississippi back in like i don't know 09 or something i can't remember what year it was but um you know the beats were just like kind of lurking in the background and they had the mics all turned up i was like no i want all this at once so that was just the idea, is like just bringing it all at the same time
1: definitely and related to that um so you have tracks like to dream in color and everything working on natural time where you have these like super extended vocal samples uh and then behind those samples you have like kind of like what you were saying, like blending the instrumental with the vocals, so it like kind of matches the energy. Um, was it hard to like match the the vocal samples to your music or was it very uh, natural for you? Um, you know,
2: some of it was like really intentional. So for instance, like the intro to the record. I had found that probably I'd say the first so the first few songs I made for the album were probably like Sun Moon and Spa um ways of the world there's a bonus song called jubilee june bug that's like later on the album so those were kind of like the first few songs i made i was like yeah man plays the horn um this is about to be the idea and then i found that the the uh, the intro sort of the monologue i just stumbled on it and i was like that's exactly what i was thinking uh just when i came up with the idea um So more so, it was just building around that sort of mantra. But at the same time, going back to what I was saying before, just with the jamming aspect of it, the improv, a lot of those beats, I'm really just like riffing. So some things are like more intent, more unintentional than than uh, than intentional. If that makes any sense, they just kind of found found kind of like a get in where you fit in type thing. They just like locked into place.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, And then also we wanted to ask about how um, we've heard you talk about how like also your goals for music are to express your true feeling. Um, And like, do you feel like you get closer to the true meaning with each album or does each album like represent um, that specific unique moment
2: for you? You you know, I mean, I feel like all of them are sort of like, you know, expressions of life, expressions of existence, you know, and I feel like with each record, it's just kind of like, all right, let me just send this shit up even higher. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, to me, it's always a work in progress. Uh, sometimes I will say I'm like, is this going to be the last one? Like even with crashing, I almost was like, maybe I should just end on this. Um, but then it was just kind of like, and it was let me let me get my mind right. It wasn't necessarily sort of like let me end on this because of anything in particular. It was more just a like, this is a really hard ass note to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking about that. But then you know, the man plays the horn thing just kind of came about. And then you know I had to look at myself again and be like, fuck, are you talking about? No, you got to hit him again. Like there's more to be said. So. Um yeah, it's always a work in progress.
1: Yeah, this is my of... favorite
2: record though, I will say. Like this my this to me is the best one. Um you know, some people will be like, Well, it's too long, or this other one's better. I'm like, yeah, those are cool. This to me this is the best one.
1: Do you think that about every album that comes out, or is this one like unique in it being the best?
2: Um no, I mean there were some records that were kind of intentionally put out knowing that it's all to me it's all about building the discography as well so it's like at the end of the day a lot of the work i do i want to look back and be like damn that's a really interesting discography It, it spans like eras and decades and just moments in like history pop culture whatever's happening in the underground whatever's happening in the world um You know, I wanted to build out a discography where it's just, like, very relevant to me, but then also it's just, like, interesting to go back and listen to. You know, some people so focused on, like, let me get a single off or whatever. They don't have discography, so when you go back through it, you just see them (laughs) trying to tap into whatever's trendy or something. You know what I mean? Um, I wanted to create kind of a, you know, just an interesting body of work
1: yeah no that that makes sense and it's funny to hear about you like thinking like this could be the end because it just seems like you're always dropping music so it's like surprising (laughs) that there could could even be like an end in sight but um kind of talking about like what you were saying about your discography do you ever go like preparing for this interview i like went back and listened to url irl um, which I come to life, which I hadn't heard in forever. Do you go back to that music much? And do you feel like you're still influenced by a lot of the same things?
2: Um, it's In, in some ways influenced, but at the same time, um, well, let me just say, yes, I do. Like, yeah, sometimes I go back and listen to it. Matter of fact, I hadn't listened to anything from come to life in, I don't know, quite some time. And uh, I was kicking it with some friends. Matter of fact, it was like the day, it was either the day of or the weekend that Man Plays the Horn came out. So we were just kicking and drinking or whatever. And um, just kind of like talking about it and just life shit, you know? And uh, we actually threw on something from Come to Life. Like someone mentioned it. I was like, damn, man, listen, to this is forever. And then I was like, damn, this shit still slaps. <laughs> like, it's like, um, so, yeah, every every now and then I'll kind of tap back um, into that stuff. I mean, I, I love those records. But some of it, you know, it, it, because it's such a, it, how am I, what am I trying to say? It's like You get older. You know, I, I was early 20s when I made that. So sometimes i just be like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that. So.
0: Yeah. But I do
2: feel- like that record a lot. I do like it, though.
0: You Know, I don't make music, but I don't even know what it'd be like looking back at something I made like 10 years ago because I feel like,
2: yeah, it's like uh, looking at
0: like reading a, like reading high a diary, school
2: yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, like reading a diary, of high school photos, you're like, damn, I was looking funny as hell, like,
0: and it's in, uh, I mean? in public, <laughs> um, exactly,
2: and it's just like <laughs> out there, yeah.
0: Um, but talking about your most your last two projects, they've just been like really massive in terms of like scale and length. And like even this one with like the bonus track and the director's cut that's coming. Um, what do you feel like listeners get out of like these like massive projects um that are like long?
2: Yeah. So um I feel like what what which one was it? Uh Immortal Flame. That was kind of the first one I started thinking more about duration and just kind of like um well I right, so thinking about hip-hop music but then also thinking about like you know you got artists like brian Eno, who can um you know he can do whatever the hell he wants but i just feel like with rap music it's always about it being sort of tied to or in conversation with like you know, material objects. So it's like, all right, we're trying to sell some clothes. We're trying to sell some sneakers. We're trying to sell some jewelry or lifestyle, you know, just all this kind of bullshit, you know? And um, so Immortal Flame was kind of the first one. I was like, you know, let me just do like nine minute long songs. We have like 16 minute long songs, you know? Gum, you know, if, if people complain about that, then it's like, all right, let's do a 10 track album. The last song's 45 minutes, you know? Um, but really just speaking more to people who just want to listen to music, you know, because I feel like once you start taking into account all the other stuff that doesn't matter, doesn't have anything to do with the music, um, you degrade the art in such a way. Um, So I just wanted to keep it real focused, but just bringing it back to duration. Um, there was like some interview I saw years ago I think it was like Joey Badass or somebody. And they were just talking about how um, you know, albums shouldn't be that long. They should only have this amount of songs that be this long. And I never dug that stuff because I just feel like it's speaking to like industry standards. And I feel like what I do isn't within the confines of that. So I got the freedom to do whatever I want with it. Um, So I was like, I want to do like hip hop records that are long, droned out. Um, But it's all cohesive at the same time. Um, So Crashing Sound was definitely a, a, you know, I'd say a more structural experiment in that. And then this one even more so. Band Plays the Horns.
1: Yeah. And you can definitely hear that in the music. And bringing up one specific song, um, one of my favorites is Subterranean Staircase. And I think I really love the I don't even know if you could call it like a beat switch or just like a complete just like switch up in that song. And so many of the lyrics, like some die twice because they never really learn. Like some of those (laughs) just really hit me. Um, But what do you think when you're putting together like a multi-parted song like that? Like was that always in the song structure or was that just something that came like with jamming and playing around?
2: It, It just came from jamming. I mean, that second half was another song um on a completely different beat i thought about maybe putting it on the director's cut but i opted out of it um it's on like a real crazy sound and instrumental sound like it could have been on black pleasure actually it's like just r- real insane um but i was like you know what let me let me scale that back and let me let me dump it on something else and it just i was like this is it like this is perfect you know so it was it was a little trial and error with it but um it was a thing where it almost just didn't even make the record at all but i was like that verse is just like hitting me um oh actually i'm speaking more to uh what is that track uh you're talking about subterranean staircase i'm thinking the the track catalog where there's like the um the guitar track at the end yeah that was on something else yeah subterranean staircase has that um at the end has that uh kind of like a little Stance, a little ambient, little...
1: Ambient,
2: yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, No, I put those in there, which is funny because I see people complain about it. (laughs) (laughs) Which I got a whole rant on that. But, uh, yeah, it's like, give it some space. Because, you know, I don't want to hear someone just, like, yelling at me, you know what I mean, for the entirety of an 80-minute record, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, just shouting. Or just like, here's all the bars, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, let's give it some, let's give it an, an air. um, And it creates the world. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone wants to hear somebody yelling
2: at them. For, well, for you more. know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. uh, it's, you know, I was revisiting. uh, I really love this band, but that, that band, the, the Locust, I was listening to them yesterday, and I haven't listened to them in a long time. But they're so smart because it's like they're really talented. They're just hitting you over the head. Ah, you know, just like fast power violence, grindcore, whatever. But then they got like long moments where they just like drone out for a second. And it's real smart. It's real reserved. And, and I, I just kind of laugh when people are just like, oh, but there's like instrumentals in there. And it's just like, well, you just wanted to be six nonstop, six back to back, just like bars. On your head, you know what I mean. Like even the the OGs like Doom weren't even doing that. So you get mm-hmm. a little breather moment. So, um, or like you know, Doomsday, it, Doomsday, and probably Food are my favorite
0: mm-hmm.
2: Doom projects. And Born Like This, but uh even on like Mad Villainy, it's like you got moments where it's just like there's no rapping, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you're involved with it. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Um, can you also talk to us a little bit about like what the director's cut is and like what it means in the context of an album?
2: So it's funny because I actually was working on that right before I hopped on the call with y'all. Um, the director's cut is basically all of the bonus tracks and then a few extra bonus cuts as well. Um, and in a way too, it, I just felt like there was a, so many good songs that kind of just got swept to the side. Because truth be told, I felt like this album was, you know, a few albums. There was, you know, one version of it that was probably built more around songs like Jubilee, uh, Junebug, and the Sun Moon and Spa. So it was that that was, you know, building a whole record around that but then I feel like it just shifted. So over time, it just kept like taking twists and turns, but it was all like coming from the same mind, obviously. Um, and with that, it's like some songs just kind of got swept off. So with the director's cut, I'm like bringing back a few of those songs um, that were just kind of thrown to the side.
1: Oh, that's awesome. We're so excited to hear it. Um, And a couple final questions. Uh, first, will there be a physical release of Man Plays the Horn?
2: Um. So, yeah, actually, Fuck um, Rap, the label based out of um, Germany, we just put the order in yesterday for um, Man Plays the Horn and Immortal Flame on uh, vinyl. And oh. um, tr- truth be told, we're working on um, gum as well to bring that back. And then also, uh, there was something else that we were working on, it's slipping my mind right now. But yeah, that was that was pretty much in the works um, before the album was even finished. I feel bad because Robert from the label was hitting me up. And when I say label, our relationship is more of a collaborative friendship. It's, you know, I do my thing with Dot Audio Arts and he, you know, is into what I do and what the homies do. Um, so it's more of a just, you know, he's like, what's up with this man plays the horn? Let me check it out. And part of me was kind of like, damn, are you going to fuck with this? Because this is going to be a crazy one. And it felt good, you know, when it was finished and out. He was like, let's do it. Let's run it up. So, yeah,
1: that's on the way. And uh, like I said, the Mortal Flame is on the way too. Great. We'll definitely be on the lookout for both of those. And then finally, I feel like every time... I see an interview with you, I always like learn about so much new great music. Is there anyone you've been listening to or anything that's been inspiring you lately?
2: Um, so I am not little about inspiring, but I've just really been digging their music. There's a, have you heard of that band? What is it, Five is Glock? No. Yeah, it's like Fievel, like, like F-I-E-V-A-L. Or it might be (laughs) V-E-L. I might be butchering it. But uh, G-L-A-Q-U-E. I forget where they're from, but um, a homie of mine put me on to them recently. um, And they just put out a record, I think, like, last year, and it's really good. It's like some, uh, you know, I hate to, like, throw another band name in reference. It's, you know, kind of stereo-lab-ish, but, like, more grungy. Um, uh,
1: I I, I really been... What's you name? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying, yeah, Dad, I've been bumping that. This group, uh, Pink Trash Can, from I think they're from L.A. I've really been digging their shit. Um, who else? Um, I'm actually, you know, side note, I'm working on this new project. Well, I've been doing a project, but I'm about to drop this tape. Um, Tamika's Lodge. Uh, with the uh, African-American sound recordings that's coming out on DOT. And uh, it's kind of like a crazy idea because it's centered around this uh, this bed and, bref- bed and breakfast that's from Mississippi, but it relocated to outer space. Um, and the record is basically like the soundtrack to this bed and breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been working on that it's actually funny because I was like, damn, I really should probably be putting the director's cut up online, but I can't stop working on this other shit. Um, But yeah, that's where I've been at.
1: Well, we're so excited for everything you're doing. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it.
0: For tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins, we hope you enjoyed getting to know Cities Aviv and check out his album "Man Plays the Horn." You can find this episode on QuarantineContent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Queue. See you next week.